many of you uh, are aware, uh, I was anticipating being in the Far East uh, this last week. Our Father, this, this is your world, and creation praises you. Uh, we are the only part of creation that can praise you in self-conscious awareness of the debt of sin that we have that you have redeemed us from. And so this morning, we thank you as conscious, redeemed creatures, uh, part of creation, but specially made in your image, also redeemed by the blood of the Lamb who rescued the souls of men. We thank you and praise you and honor you, Lord God. You are our Savior, our Rock, our Creator, and our Helper. And we pray that you will help us not only to worship you, and we pray that you will help us to serve you, to worship you through service. I pray that you'll open our eyes and open our hearts so that we see the needs uh, on the university campuses, so that we see the needs that there are internationally, and so that we also see the very real needs that there are in our own neighborhoods and in this city as well. Uh, we pray that you will uh, bless all of the missionaries and ministries that we are involved in supporting. Uh, this morning we pray in a special way for power to change. We pray for beginnings. Lord, we pray that you will give all the workers and volunteers with those organizations great wisdom. Uh, may the mind of Christ our Savior live in them from day to day. Father, this time now we ask that you, by your Spirit, uh, will specially equip Terry Lynn to share uh, with us. Give us attentive minds and open hearts and also prepare us to respond as we ought. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Am I too loud? <laughs> I was asking my daughter the other day, I said, do you think mommy's energetic? And she was saying, yeah. I said, why? Because you're so loud. <laughs> um, I'll try to behave. <laughs> but yes, I am energetic. And um, first of all, before I begin to share the message today about uh, God's work through beginnings, I would like to thank your pastor, Dr. Steve West, and together with the rest of the pastoral team for opening this door and uh, providing us the opportunity to, provide, uh, to give and share with you some updates about the work that God is doing through beginnings family services in our local community here in Guelph. And not just in Guelph, but actually around Guelph, including Wellington County. Um, on behalf of the many precious women, parents, babies, and toddlers who have come through the doors of our care center, please accept our heartfelt thanks, my heartfelt thanks on behalf of them, for your continued support that has enabled us to continually provide that compassionate, genuine, and nurturing care to the clients that come through our doors. Um, on behalf of our staff and volunteers, including our advisory committee members, I want to thank you for your faithful commitment um, to helping us impact those in our community who are finding themselves in extreme and serious pregnancy and parenting crisis. My name is Sherilyn Lumazag, and I was born and raised in the Philippines. I took on the role as the new director of Beginnings uh, Family Services back in December, 
And before I share with you our work, um, I would I often would like to introduce myself from my personal background so that people just don't know me with my hat in the same way that I love to know people's personal background, not, not that detailed, um, but um, not to identify people just based on the hats that they wear. But I was born and raised in the Philippines. I went to Christian school from the time I could talk and all the way to high school. I gave my life to Jesus at the age of seven years old, and I dreamed of becoming a missionary to Europe. So when I entered university, I pursued the Bachelor of Arts degree in European languages, so I could speak, read, and write Russian, German, and I speak Filipino, English, and I could converse a bit in Italian, Spanish, and uh, Mandarin and Fukien, because it was a Christian Chinese school. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I dreamed of becoming a missionary to Europe, especially in Russia, and here I am in Canada. And the only French words I know are je suis plus belle que toi. For those of you who got it, forgive me. But before I begin again, I'd like to introduce also my own personal gang who came here with me to cheer me on. I'd like to start with my youngest daughter, with our youngest daughter, Anna. Wave. She's 10 years old. Um, And she is the most energetic in our family, not me. And she's always consistently been passionate about becoming a teacher one day. And then I'd like you to meet Samuel Caleb, who's turning 12 this fall. And uh, he's a hardcore Golden State Warriors fan. Um, who won game one, and has a huge heart for social justice at his young age. Always comes out during dinnertime conversations. Um, And last but definitely not the least, my ever-supportive husband, Napoleon, who grew up in Stratford but decided to live in the Philippines um, when we got married as uh, we served as youth and young adults pastors in the church where I grew up in. And uh, Napoleon is my second solid rock after Jesus. Without him, I'm a huge mess. Um, So, yep, that's my crew. And if it's okay with everyone, I'd like to open... um, to pray. I know Pastor Steve did such a great job, but just like to start with a simple prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the one that is our counselor. You are the one that is our teacher, and you are the one that's speaking to us through your word today. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, that your purpose would be accomplished through your word in Jesus' name. May you be glorified in, the, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to share with you the message today about the power of one. My husband told me I have to stand up here because I can't be seen from there. (laughs) Oh, why is that showing? Sorry, that's not my PowerPoint. Sorry. Has that been showing the whole time? I'm sorry. And there I was so excited. There you go. The power of one. I was told in my meeting with Pastor Steve uh, that Crestwick has just entered into a vital partnership with International Justice Missions. And that got me very excited. 
and he was so excited that I actually had experience with international justice missions. And by the way, let me pause on that. I was so pleased to have Power to Change here. I've had extensive, amazing experiences in my university days back when they were still called Campus Crusade for Christ. So yes, I'm dating myself. Um, I was told that Crestwick had just entered into partnership with IJM, and when I learned about what you have invested into the aftercare support for children being rescued from child sex trafficking in the Philippines, I was so thrilled and excited to hear about that, and I actually felt that I've bumped into kindred souls, but found my brethren in Canada. Um, and, and you will know why I why I'm starting my message with this, because this is the connecting line to my work in beginnings. Um, so allow me to start my message by taking you back to 2009 to my home country. And don't worry, I'll make sure that everyone is dismissed before sunset. <laughs> um, by taking you back to 2009 to my home country. And if you can stay with me patiently, you will see um, how this all ties up to our work of, um, in beginnings here in Guelph. So, in 2009, the ECPAT International, together with the Terre de Homes, um, which is based in um, Switzerland, released a report about the child sex trafficking situation in the Philippines. And during this time, Napoleon and I served as youth and young adults pastors in the church where my family, again, I mentioned earlier, had been attending since I was four years old. And so um, we were youth pastors. Many of us were ignorant to the facts and figures in this report that was released in 2009. And in the midst of a backdrop of 98% of the total population of the Philippines being self-confessed Christians, and the Philippines being known as the only Christian nation in Asia, it was, very, it was, a, shocking, it was a huge shocking fact to us that child sex trafficking and child pornography was rising in numbers in our own backyard. And, and so being known in the, most, in, in, the country, in the world as one of the top trop, tropical tourist destinations, the ordinary Filipino Joe would not have any clue. None of us had any clue that this was happening in our city. In fact, in 2009, the report stated that the Philippines ranked fourth in the world with the most number of prostituted children. Transparency International, further, in collaboration with uh, United Nations and the U.S. State Department, reported that among those trafficked from the Philippines, 60,000 to 100,000 every year are children. And most of these children were being trafficked for sex trade purposes. Again, the evangelical body of Christ in the Philippines was completely unaware that this was happening in our city or even in our country. And if there was any awareness at all, there were no actions taken to address the issue. And so one night in 2011, after our church's youth meeting, one of our youth leaders came up to us and she was so broken, she was so broken, she was so uh, uh disturbed because her dad had shared with her a story the other night and we knew that her dad was an Interpol agent who would be assigned in different countries uh, for different projects but we did not know that her dad was actually working for international justice missions at that period of time and so she told us the story that her dad although she, he wasn't supposed to couldn't help but when he came home late the other night, he couldn't help but share with her 
part of his experience as he was involved in a covert operations to rescue 10 children from a local warehouse in the middle of our city, aged 6 to 10 years old. And he couldn't help but share with his daughter. One man, one father, couldn't help but share his heart to his daughter about how he couldn't remove from his memory the look on the six-year-old girl's face that night, who looked dazed and blank after being violated more than ten times by multiple adults. It's heavy. I asked Dr. Steve, um, sorry, Dr. Steve, Pastor Steve, I asked if it's okay to share this because he had asked me to share my experience with IJM. Um, we found out later that IJM had been around, and of course, they, you know, IJM works secret, secretly. Nobody knows where their office is. Um, but personally, when I heard this story, Having been, and this is my life testimony, because although I grew up in a Christian home, I was repeatedly sexually molested from the age of six to nine years old by a cousin of mine. And I had hidden that issue in so much shame and covered it up with all my academic ex, uh, uh, performance and accomplishments. And so having had that experience, I knew to a certain degree how a six-year-old girl would have felt that night. Um, I stayed up. I couldn't sleep that night. I stayed up late praying and crying out to God. You know, my husband and I were so disturbed about it. And we started crying out to the Lord and asking what we could do about it. We started doing our own research about the issue, found these reports that I had shared earlier, uh, discovered that U.S. Homeland Security had actually ex um, red flagged the Philippines as extremely high alert in the landscape of human trafficking. And yet the evangelical body of Christ in our city was totally silent about it because we were unaware. For the first time, I felt that a match was lit in the darkness surrounding child sex trafficking in issue in my home city. For the first time, it felt like God coming to Moses in a burning bush saying, I have heard the cries of my people Israel in Egypt in their bondage. And for the first time, a match was lit in our city to bring into awareness to the body of Christ that there is a cry from among the children, 0 to 12 years old, caught in modern slavery that nobody knew about, but God had heard their cries. And so we felt that the match was lit in the darkness. And so we shared this with our pastor about the child sex trafficking happening in our city, and we connected immediately with International Justice Missions. And the head of the International Justice Missions for the church uh, mobilization was actually my former teacher in my Christian school. And so... Uh, the first time they conducted the human trafficking orientation and awareness seminar in our church, they couldn't go on. They had to stop in the middle of the seminar because everyone broke down in tears, weeping and wailing because we never knew that this was happening to our own children in, the in our own backyard. Out of this meeting, we initiated an awareness campaign throughout the city together with IJM. We offered our campus ministries. We had our own camp Sorry. We had our own campus ministries, and we, we offered them to, to use it as their platform to build awareness among the universities. 
We mobilized our youth and young adults to submit articles to local newspapers, to use their artistic gifts, to write poems, to write songs, in order to spread awareness about this issue. We were turning the light on. We were not allowing darkness, again, to dominate over the children. We were turning the light on and breaking the silence. In the middle of these collaborations, I personally had the privilege of helping IJM uh, capture or, or catch an American child sex offender who happened to be in, the, in our city that time. And my best friend, my childhood best friend was a real broker. And, uh, and her client was this American, and um, she was suspicious when he introduced her to her, his so-called wife, who looked like a 12-year-old girl. And she knew that we were heavily involved in our fight against human trafficking, so she immediately contacted me, and we alerted IJM. And we literally sat down in the same room with IJM's agents and contacted FBI um, and, and asked about this guy, and they confirmed that he had just been released from prison for child sexual offenses. And so, make the long story short, we did an undercover work. I posed as a recruit, um, because he was recruiting Filipinas, uh, Filipino women, um, to go with him as cultural entertainers or nurses. And so, I had to pose as one of the recruits. And to make the long story short, while we were, we were doing an undercover work, all the agents were actually surrounding us and, um, you know, just, you know how it works in TV, right? Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, when, when this man landed in the U.S., he was immediately arrested. Praise the Lord. And so, in the meantime, our pastor began to initiate meetings with our local governor, and IJM told us that our church had always been known in the city to be actively engaged, kind of how your Crestwick is. We were always known to be actively engaged in the community. We had a huge street children's ministry and all of that. And so our pastor initiated meetings with the local governor to address this issue, and IJM approached us and told us that there was a huge need for a halfway house for children in um, age 0 to 12 years old that would be rescued from these child pornography dens and child sex trafficking. When our pastor learned about that, he shared that vision, and one church member, one church member donated a huge property, and that's the property, and those are the halfway houses now. One huge property to create an orphanage where, um, right now, at present, 29 girls, mostly rescued from IJM, are being cared for, educated, and prepared for reintegration into society. And we call this the Rancho Ni Cristo. Our church had a charity arm, Cure Foundation Incorporated, and we work closely with IJM. This is a picture of IJM Australia and IJM Netherlands uh, visiting our Rancho Ni Cristo. And the man all the way to the back is our managing director, Bart Van, Van Oost. And so, one man, the power of one, one man's one father story to his daughter caused the restlessness in her daughter and caused the burning burden in this daughter to share it. One daughter's burden shared to one couple in the ministry. One, couple's, uh, being co one couple in ministry being compelled by Christ's compassion, sharing to one pastor, one pastor's vision compelling one church member to donate a huge property, opening a way for next week they were saying, 37 girls will be admitted into the halfway house. They have now started building a school. P 
power of one life story. And so how does this bring about to my work in IJM? Uh, sorry, in Beginnings. When, my, when I met with Pastor Steve to give updates about Beginnings, he asked me a very curious question. He said, why did you accept the job? I was thrilled that he asked. And I said, when I learned that some of the women that we serve at Beginnings come from, being, from the sex trafficking happening in Guelph, then the job offer ceased to look like just a job offer. It appeared to me like Jesus was inviting me to join in his work with these precious women in our community. This was really what made me decide to take on this role. These precious women in our community who are trapped in trauma, shame, in a constant sense of slavery, who find themselves pregnant, they've escaped sex trafficking, they find themselves pregnant, and yet they choose to keep their baby because for them this is their only sign of hope for a new life. Beginnings is here for the one. Beginnings has been around for 25 and 26 years, and you have faithfully supported Beginnings, and in your support, we have always been there for the one. There is a beautiful story in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 43 to 48. And all of us are familiar, most of us are familiar with this beautiful story where a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years, after having spent all that she had to find healing for her cyclical issue, came from behind Jesus and touched the border, touched the hem of his garment in her desperate last attempt for healing tried to reach out, tried to make herself hidden and invisible among the crowds because in their day, it was not allowed for women with those kind of issues to be found in the middle of crowds. She was considered unclean. She had been living in that sense of filthiness for 12 years. She had been living under a cloud of shame, under a cloud of isolation, under this, 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 this cover of isolation that would not allow her to be with the crowds because of the shameful situation she was in. This woman caught with a cyclical issue that would never end. It seemed that there was no hope for her sickness, for her situation. She reached out. She dared in her last hope, in her, in her little hope that she had, she dared to reach out to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. And we all know that she received her miracle. She reached out to touch the smallest, seemingly insignificant part of Jesus' robe, hoping for a miracle. But I believe that the greatest thing that happened in this story is more than just the miracle of her healing. It was that Jesus stopped. It was that Jesus stopped on his tracks. It was that on the way to Jairus' home, he, he was, Jesus was on his way to Jairus' home to pray for Jairus' daughter so that she wouldn't die. He was on a critical mission. The woman with an issue of blood was not part of his agenda that day. But when this woman who was caught in shame and in a a 12-year cycle of sickness that couldn't be healed, that couldn't be helped, reached out to him, Jesus literally stopped for the one. There were crowds around him. In fact, when he asked, who is it that touched me? Peter was saying, or one of the disciples was saying, Jesus, there's a lot of them. 
A lot of crowds, I mean, the crowds were pressing on him because they all had needs. And yet Jesus stopped and he took the time, he took the time to recognize the woman's faith. Not her issue, her faith. He took the time to publicly declare her support of her desperate attempt. He took the time, not just, she did not just receive healing, she was set free from humiliation. And I believe, brothers and sisters, this is the work that God has appointed for beginnings in our community. That we are not just here to just uh, provide healing and restoration for many of these women that are encountering unplanned pregnancy crisis or parenting crisis. But we are here to also uncover them from shame, from stigma, and, and, and providing them a place of hope and transformation. Jesus, this act of Jesus, set this one woman free from her sickness, released her from shame and humiliation, and made her even a model of faith. Jesus stopped for the one. And beginnings, beloved, stops for the one. This is what we do at beginnings every day when our care center opens. I can show you client statistics today, and we've actually shared it with our newsletter, which I had brought here uh, uh, that time I met with Pastor Steve, and we've had 100 new clients last year. Um, we've had 1,400 visits to the care cupboard, accessing resources for their children with gently, ba- uh, gently used baby clothing and items. And I can share you more statistics, but like what Graham and, and, and sorry, Graham and Erica had mentioned, that stories are, are powerful. It's the stories that let us see the impact of your support. And so I want to share with you one particular day when I was already at the care center, and it was crowded with those coming in to access our care cupboard for diapers and formula, for gently used clothing. But then in the midst of the crowds, one woman suddenly walked in, and I could tell by the look on her eyes that she had been One of these women living in shame, trauma, and stigma. And I was in a meeting right at that moment with with one of our staff. And I had to pause because I could feel that when she stepped into the care center, I remembered the story about Jesus stopping for the one. And we could easily tell by the look on her face that she was desperate for help. Make the long story short, this woman just came out of sex trafficking. She found herself pregnant. And yet she chose to keep her baby. And she needed help to, be, to learn how to be a parent. She's still a work in progress. And I, I would like for all of us to keep her in prayer. She had escaped from sex trafficking. She did not know who the father of her baby was. She had decided to keep the baby. She felt that that was her sign for new life. And we stopped for the one because Jesus stopped for the one. We had another client who was sexually assaulted, and she wasn't sure if the baby belonged to her partner or to the one who had assaulted her. But her partner was kind enough, compassionate enough to say, I will father the baby regardless. And so we, we have our one-on-one prenatal class, and Heather knows this very well. Um, Heather has done a great job, by the way, with our care center in the past. And... and um, you know, we had a one-on-one prenatal class, which is after speaking with Early Years Ontario, we found out that is the only we are the only agency in our community providing one-on-one prenatal class, and it is perfect 
It is a perfect place for the kind of moms that we serve in our community where they could ask their questions about pregnancy and parenting with a background of trauma and shame that they could not ask in a group setting. However, we've also seen a shift in our demographics and our clients, and we've seen a rising number of newcomer and refugee families coming through the doors of our care center. Again, one mom, one family, one couple at a time. We are here for the one. Imagine moving to a new country whose language you don't speak, whose culture is completely foreign, and you find yourself, just after a second month of arriving in Canada, you find yourself pregnant, and you cannot speak English. And the whole medical system is completely, completely different from the one that they were used to back home. Simple things that Canadians consider common sense, such as needing an infant car seat to bring home the baby from the hospital. These things are foreign ideas to many newcomer families. And again, our one-on-one prenatal class has helped many newcomer moms to be free from additional unnecessary anxiety and stress surrounding uh, their, 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 their initial stages of building their family life in a new country. Early this year, we have actually started to partner with Immigrant Services of Guelph and Wellington to request for interpreter services for our newcomer and refugee moms. And in this one-on-one setting, our facilitators who are trained volunteers coming, uh, the two of them retirees from the medical field, wonderful, wonderful uh, volunteers, give their, give their time and energy with an interpreter right there helping the newcomer mom understand what to do, what's next in a new country. Can you feel the isolation being broken? This is the impact of your support. We are here for the one. You are able to customize and pace and tailor. We are able to customize the pace and tailor the classes according to the immediate needs of our clients. We are here for the one newcomer mom who is feeling lost and isolated. Beginnings is there for the one refugee couple who is, des- who is in desperate need for resources because when they got here, they didn't know what winter clothes looked like. If they knew, they did not have access. And our care cupboard had winter jackets for their kids. One of the spring, you know, the one spring day that we had, because, you know, we went from winter to summer, right? But the one spring day we had where it was cold and it was rainy, we had a refugee family come in through our doors, and their daughter was just wearing socks. They couldn't afford to to buy boots. They had just arrived in Canada. And it so happened that there was a pair of rain boots, exactly the same size for that daughter. And the daughter left the care center with her smile from ear to ear, having her first rain boots in Canada. Hallelujah. These are things that we take for granted, but these are precious things for many of these families. Beginning Guelph, our passion is to build strong families in our community by nurturing genuine, compassionate, and non-judgmental relationships with women and families living in poverty. We specialize with the families living in the margins of our community who are facing an unplanned pregnancy and parenting crisis. We exist to help families move from a place of chaos and helplessness to, to a place of hope and transformation. That is our mission. If, if, if there's anything you want to take away from today, it's those two circles with the arrow. 
from a place of chaos and helplessness to a place of hope and transformation because you and I are all familiar uh, with the the truth that if one can grab a hold of hope, then one can believe for transformation. We accomplish our mission through provision and education, provision to help meet the immediate needs of the families, the moms and dads that come through our doors, the children's needs. We provide education so that we can give them the effective tools to build strong families and strong relationships. And these are the programs and services that we do uh, uh, in connection to how we, we believe we can uh, accomplish our mission. In all our evaluation today, um, since I, I've started in the beginnings, we've done a lot of evaluation with our work in the community, and we've done so much vital work through your support. Beginnings has helped a lot of families in our community, a lot of precious individuals in our community. But we were able to find our unique identity in a sense that we specialize in our one-on-one care. And I'm excited to share with you that in the coming fall, although we are having a Circle of Security parenting course in partnership with Michael House because we share clients, we also have a one-on-one. We are hoping to develop a one-on-one parenting class as a follow-up of the prenatal class so that as they give birth to their newborn, they're able to find someone that will help them one-on-one on how to now navigate around parenting their newborn and in the early stages of, of, of parenting. The power of one. Beginnings believes firmly in the power of impacting one struggling mom at a time, one family giving hope to one family at a time. One mom trapped in multiple crisis situations, which is always the case of many of our clients, can make a journey towards transformation and raise her children towards a better life. One couple empowered with effective parenting tools can shape their family to positively impact our community. Beginnings Guelph specializes in providing personalized one-on-one pregnancy and parenting support to moms and parents who struggle with poverty, trauma, shame, and social stigma. We are here to help them do great things by taking small beginnings. There is power in every person's story. There's power in your story. There's power in, in your brother's story. There's power in your sister's story. One person's story can lead to another person's breakthrough story. Paul the Apostle says in Romans chapter 5, verse 18 to 19, and I'm almost done, I promise. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. My husband's one radical encounter with the love of God totally set him free from six years of heavy crystal meth addiction instantly without withdrawals. And God has used his story to affect and impact many young men, many young women's lives that are coming from a background of heavy drug addiction. One man's story. My story of my journey of healing and hope and wholeness from a story of being sexually molested to a story of wholeness has led me to where I am now. Your story matters. 
and your, your, your response to people's story matters. I'm reminded that in Luke chapter 15, Jesus spoke three parables to the Pharisees and scribes, all pointing to his heart, valuing the, valuing the one. The one lost sheep, the one lost coin, the one lost son. His heart is always to seek for the one lost mom, covered in shame and isolated from any help, covered in hopelessness. He's seeking for the one who has lost her self-worth and has to raise up a child. He's seeking for the one couple who is feeling hopeless. He continues to seek for the one today. And he's seeking for the one that needs to be found. But he's also seeking for the one who will join him in seeking for the one. Brothers and sisters, we are called to join him in seeking for the one. We are intentional at beginnings to create a place where the broken and those in shame and, in, and facing pregnancy crisis and parenting crisis can find and receive hope, love, and compassion and be empowered for transformation. As we let our light shine before these moms and families, we in, ter- in turn empower them to become ambassadors of hope among their peers because many of our clients were also referred to by previous clients. My question today is, will we invest for the one? Just for the one. Many precious staff and volunteers, past and present, including Heather here today, have labored and given their time and energy for the work of God through beginnings. God has been faithful in sustaining us and keeping the doors open. But now is a time that, if I may, I would like to go further and be transparent. It's no secret that in my meeting with Pastor Steve that Beginnings has had many challenges, many challenges, several major challenges. And when I was offered the role, I was told that my priority was to rebuild the care center. It is both an exciting and daunting task. It's exciting because there is so much potential and room to expand God's work in our community through Beginnings. It is daunting because of the major financial challenges we have that restrict us from moving forward. We are in the middle of a significant transition period where we are evaluating everything that we are doing. And we, are just, um, we just had a new advisory committee chair, Mark Brown. And Mark has agreed to be our new AC chair, and he's been a generous supporter of Beginnings from its inception. Some of you may know him. He's very level-headed very sharp with wisdom and experience, and he's able to tame my zeal and enthusiasm and translate my passion into practical solutions. Um, So it is exciting. It is exciting for beginnings because when you combine level-headed wisdom with passion, there's so much that can be done. (laughs) Together with the rest of the advisory committee, we want to establish efficiency and operational excellence so that we can bring profound impact rather than just be a busy agency. We are brainstorming, collaborating with other community partners, doing our homework to ensure that we are effectively building strong families from those living in the margins of our society. We want to partner with existing agencies in helping newcomer and refugee families help them build strong families in their new life in Canada. 
The goal is to relaunch beginnings before the year ends and invite people, starting with the churches, to invest long-term into our God-given mandate for the community. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus describes loving our neighbor as something that looks like costing us our time, energy, and finances. The priest and the Levites saw the half-dead man on the road, considered it a waste of time to stop and help him. But the Samaritan took the time to help, and not only that, he bandaged up his wounds, and he invested into the aftercare and full recovery of the man, saying, look after him, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Jesus then says in verse 37, go and do likewise. And beloved, will we go and do likewise? Will we love our neighbor the same way? There are tons of volunteer opportunities that we can share with you at Beginnings Guelph Care Center. There are tons of investment opportunities at Beginnings. And I have brought with me flyers of in-kind donation opportunities. We welcome gently used baby clothing items, baby clothing and items, toys and all of that. And, and, and so we want to invite you to invest for the one. As well, on September 15th, we are holding our new family fundraiser called Run Fair. Run Family Adventure Race Experience. Run Fair. Don't cheat. <laughs> so, Run Fair. And we are, we are, um, we are very privileged to have uh, Toronto's Yours Truly Band, uh, sponsored by one of our volunteers. And so, um, they're a great band, by the way. Uh, September 15th is our major fundraiser, and there's a lot of uh, volunteer opportunities sponsorship opportunities. If you know anyone interested in sponsorship, contact us at the office. Lastly, on June 17th, we will be, Father's Day Sunday, we will be setting up a table outside the sanctuary that, with a toolbox, and we call it the Family Toolbox Campaign, in line with the construction season of Canada. <laughs> While everyone's busy, you know, closing down roads... <laughs> For construction, we are going to be busy building, helping build strong families. And every dollar you put into that toolbox places a tool, an effective parenting tool, in the hands of our moms and our parents in building strong and healthy families in our community. Should you wish to connect with us, please feel free. I can leave that slide there. And... Um, Feel free to contact us. I want to thank you once again for your continued support to Beginnings, and we are excited to partner with you in the direction that we're taking for Beginnings Guelph Care Center, expanding God's work with one mom at a time, one family at a time. Amen. Thank you so much for your time, and if it's okay, I would like to close in prayer. Father, we thank you that you have modeled for us through your obedience, no matter what it cost. Lord Jesus, that any act of obedience, any act of, of response to your word, to bring to, to, in response to your prayer, that as it is in heaven, let it be here on earth. Let it be here in our community. Father, I ask, Lord, 
in the name of Jesus, that you would speak to our hearts and show us what is that one thing that we can do for that one mom, for that one family. And, Lord, I pray for every individual that responds to your call today and even those that are still um, uh, wavering, Lord God, that you would continue to speak to them and nurture the seed that you have sown in their hearts today. And, Lord, lead us and use us as your hands and feet in our community, impacting the lives, impacting those that are hopeless, Lord, through your love and through your compassion, to whom much is given, much is required. And, Lord, you deserve the reward of your suffering, Lord Jesus. And so, Father, we just even right now lift up to you the many women at risk, the moms at risk in our community that still may be in hiding and don't know where to go. Father, we ask for your light to shine upon their darkness. And we ask, Father, that you would lead them. Lead them to our care center, Lord. Lead them to a place of hope, not just our care center, but to any place that brings the hope of healing and transformation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.